When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet robe let's just get right into it today because we are joined back by the one and only mr mike hill (laughs) what's going on how are you i'm amazing man what about you pretty good what are you doing today and where are you in the world i am uh in my office my my home studio office uh, for my job bnc uh i'm a morning host on bnc so i'm uh, in la right now just hanging out well, I was going to say a lot has happened since you were here last mm. start, you know, namely this job with BNC. Tell me all about this job and what start your day is all about and how this came about. I'm so excited about it. It started in March. We launched in and I've always wanted to be a morning TV host for some reason. I don't know. Like I love Good Morning America. I grew up watching the Today Show and I actually get a chance to, to host my own show that's similar to the GMA and Today Show on this uh, new network we just launched called BNC, the Black News Channel. Uh, where I could be Brian Gumble, or I could be Michael Strahan or whatever. I could be Mike Hill. And uh, so it's a lot of fun. I call it a hybrid between what you see on Good Morning America and The View, because we can get a little uh, opinionated at times. And I, I've been known to have my own opinion out there. So it's been a lot of fun. It's a new network. So we're still working through a couple of kinks and getting a couple of viewers to, to join in. So hopefully with interviews like this, we can spread the word out there and more and more people can find out what we're doing over here because we're doing a great thing. And I know it's like one of the fastest growing like news networks, like geared towards like the the black and brown community, as they say. So that's how did this whole network come about? Absolutely. It was something that was actually needed. I mean, you know, you know, CNN, MSNBC, uh, they do a great job of, uh, you know, putting the, the word out, of course, about some of the stories that affect the black and brown community. But uh, there are a lot of stories that go untold or you don't get the full story. You may hear some of the you know, surface stuff. On BNC, we go deeper into it. So we give you a better understanding of what's actually going on. And we don't forget 
once everybody else in, in the media tends to uh, kind of brush over it, say what's going on, we'll do a deeper dive and make sure that we go back and we never forget uh, the story uh, as it continues to unfold, because that's what we continue to do sometimes in the media. We'll uh, stay on the story while it's hot, but then when the story's not hot anymore and other news organizations have moved on, you know, BNC kind of sticks around us to make sure that the job is complete. Did you call Brian Gumbel or Michael Strahan, as you reference, and, and ask for <laughs> advice before you started this job? No, you know, I don't know Brian. I know Michael Strahan very well. I've been on Michael since he played with the New York Giants. So I've been on him over 20 years, and uh, I worked with him in Fox. I still do Fox Sports, too. And, yeah, I mean, I, I talk to him, text to him. Mainly, how in the hell do you get up early in the morning? Like, this is <laughs> on the West Coast. I got to get up at 1 o'clock in the morning, David, and uh, work from uh, – four o'clock in the morning, no, three o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock in the morning because it's a national show. So uh, it's still some getting used to. And people say, have you gotten used to it? I don't think you'll ever get used to getting up at those ungodly hours. But what I love about it is getting up and having fun and enjoying it and doing something that's a service to not only the black community, but I think the community as a whole, because I think people, everybody should watch this show because in order to get past some of the issues that we have in society, we need to learn more about each other. And I think you can learn uh, from us on the Black News Channel. Absolutely. Do you like that it's a little bit of the view mixed in there and you're allowed to have an opinion? I love it. I mean, I think that's the only way I could do it. I can't do straight news. I can't do straight sports. I'm a very opinionated person. Uh, I think it's one of the things that's been uh, one of the, uh, the, the things that's helped me in my career, but it's also probably one of the things that's kind of held me back. Because I don't bite my tongue. I say what's on my mind. I'm very vocal, uh, sometimes I'm a little too um, opinionated. But no, I don't think I'm too opinionated. I may be a little too transparent. I'll say that. Uh, and people may not be ready for that. But I love it. I, I think it's wonderful. And, and my co-host, uh, Sharon uh, Reed, she's just as opinionated. So we kind of have a good chemistry. And we go back and forth to share what we need to, to say uh, on a daily basis. Do you force yourself to go to bed really early now? No, I mean, I, I don't. You know, what's crazy is I've figured out a pattern of what I need to do. Like, I basically just woke up about an hour ago after a three-hour nap. Wow. So I'll wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning, like I said, but I'll probably go to bed around 10.30, 11 o'clock that night. So I get about two and a half, three hours of sleep at night, and then I'll do my show, then I'll maybe, you know, get something to drink or get something to eat, you know, for breakfast or whatever. And then like an hour later, take a nap for about three hours and then maybe take like a 30 minute nap later on in the day. So I kind of figured out a pattern that works out for me. How does handling like the news and these issues, you know, compared to your sports background and when you were just covering sports, do you like this? Cause it's all encompassing and it, you know, kind of deals with a lot of the issues that the country's facing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my time. It's what I feel very passionate about. I'll always love sports. I'll always have a tour in the water when it comes to sports. That's just like, to me, almost like a hobby. You know, it's just something I enjoy watching basketball, football, mainly a little baseball here and there. Uh, but I just felt the pull because of everything that was happening in the community last year, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that was going on with this country. And that has been going on with this country for a long period of time. I felt like it was something that I needed to, to speak out on. And I was very opinionated even back then, very passionate about it. And uh, having this platform allows me to, to, to be able to have a conduit for that passion. I love it. Well, you've also been doing some acting since you were here last. Yeah, 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 you yeah. appeared in a play, mm -hmm, yeah. Misunderstood uh, in LA. Misunderstood. Yeah, mm -hmm. Yeah, misunderstood. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, tell me all about that. 
Misunderstood was great. Uh, great playwright. Uh, Jorge Sanchez wrote a good friend of mine. He's done three or four plays here in the L.A. area that's gotten rave reviews. He, uh, he and Morris Chestnut, who was the executive producer, I think a lot of people know who Morris Chestnut is. Uh, he put it together, uh, funded the play. Uh, it's about how we're misunderstood in society, uh, how the black man uh, is the most misunderstood um, person on the face of earth. But not only us, I think black women also misunderstood, too, because you know, we could be going through some trials and tribulations and we might come across as if we got an attitude or we're angry and it's not anger or, or a, an, an attitude. It might just be passion. It might just be frustration. It might be a lot of things that I think a lot of times uh, other people in the community kind of not necessarily get a pass for, uh, but they aren't as heavily criticized for, it, you know, when dealing with relationships and all that type of stuff. So he put this play together um, talking about these these five uh, brothers who got together, brothers meaning like black men who got together and, and started living in a mansion in Malibu. Uh, and you started finding out different aspects about their lives, about how they misunderstood in certain ways, you know, the dating patterns or who they date and you know, when they date, if they play around, if they're out of a job, if they are a black Republican or whatever. And then one of them has a really deep secret that he's never told anybody about. But my role, I play a barber I, I, and I have, own a barbershop and I play Rev. And uh, I'm the person that when you go into a barbershop or to a bar, usually the bartender or the barber is the person that you go into your community to get that advice from. Yeah. So I was the guy that had that sage old advice when people would come and give me uh, questions and I would give them advice. But I realized that I was also misunderstood. I was misunderstanding a lot of people as well, because even though I was giving advice, Rev still had a lot he needed to learn as well. So it was a great play. We got um, we had uh, six shows, all of them were sold out, great reviews. And, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll take it on the road. That would be amazing. Do yeah. you think you like with everything that's happened in the world? Like, do you think a lot of these misunderstandings? I mean, has the needle moved, do you think? I think I think we've people uh, in society have learned a little bit more about black and brown people. And there is a little bit more sympathy. Uh, there can never be empathy, obviously, because, you know, certain people. I'm sorry. Oh, it's OK. Sorry. That's my wife. That's Cynthia. <laughs> she, if you'd so like to call her and have her join us, Mike, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll see. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'll call if, if I call her and uh, she ain't ready for camera, then, then that could be I could be misunderstood. Let's just I, say it that way. Exactly. <laughs> it, could, it could be a misunderstanding. But um, yeah, no, no. She, so I, I think so. I, I think a little bit people have become a little bit more sympathetic with the plight. They see what's going on, obviously, with the George Floyd situation that happened last year where everybody saw uh, when it came to police brutality or the system itself. And um, so that was a big win. But there's still a lot of progress that needs to be made. So one of the things, like I said, when it comes to BNC, it's like we show that sympathy or we show that coverage in the beginning when it's hot. But what happens when it goes away? We can't allow it to go back to normal. So that is our our, our, our plight right now to make sure it doesn't go back to normal and that we continue to to show the progress that we need until the equality is, is gotten. That makes a lot of sense to me too. Well, you're also now acting as Judge Earl Johnson. You're, yeah. You have a current project. Tell me yeah. about Judge Earl Johnson. Judge Earl Johnson, I call him uh, no good Marshall. Not third good Marshall, but no good Marshall. He is a judge who is really corrupt. Um, I'm in this show called Foster Law, um, where I don't want to get too much away, but I have a family a member who's in a life of crime and I'm really corrupt. I'm a person that uses 
his power uh, in law enforcement or in the criminal justice system to get the things that he wants to get done. Uh, a lot of times it has to do with himself or for his family. And uh, so I played as judge and, and it's a great show. Uh, we shot seven episodes and I was a recurring character in one of them. And uh, my, my, my character continued to grow throughout. So it was the first time I had ever done something like that where I was in an acting role that like that, uh, not on stage uh, where I played somebody other than myself. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, to be able to get into that character, actually from going from BNC to doing that. And it was a lot of work and a lot of uh, hours where I didn't sleep a lot, but it was just something that I got a taste for. And now it's just something I really want to pursue uh, even more. Did you always, was this always in you? Like, was it always a goal to do acting or did this just kind of all fall into your lap? Yeah, I, the reason I'm doing broadcasting is because I wanted to do acting. When I was a youngster, when I was a, a kid, I wanted to be an actor. Uh, but I felt like, okay, like going into broadcasting would be something that would be a little bit more stable for me. So I kind of got into broadcasting, got into sports in particular because I was uh, playing sports or whatever, and I was passionate about that. So it just kind of worked out where I had a really good career, and I still have a good career in broadcasting over 26 years. It's still going strong. But um, it was something I was always hungry about. I would go to the movies. I still go to the movies today, and I'll share a secret with you. And I would get emotional just looking at the actors on the screen and knowing that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So there is a pull that I have when it comes to the theatrical world that I am now starting to listen to and starting to pursue and go after. And so it's been good. It's been a nice ride. It's been uh, even just doing the auditions, maybe not even getting a call back or getting a call back and getting excited about it and not getting it or whatever. All that's been a good process and it's been a good experience for me, but I feel that pull and I'm starting to feed that hunger that I've had for so many years. That's good. Is there like a dream collab? Like if you could act alongside any one or two people, like who's on your wish list? Like the sky's the limit. Oh, uh, obviously, you know, everybody will say Denzel. Uh, I think I would need to work my way up to Denzel. Denzel might be intimidating right now, but I think I could hold my own if I really got into it. But Will Smith, Will Smith is my favorite entertainer uh, in, in this country in, in, in entertainment, obviously. So, yeah, if I could just work alongside him, get some sage advice from him, learn a lot from him, his journey, being able to see his journey from being an, a rapper turned actor, learning how to act and getting better as the, the years went on and getting the opportunities. I think that's a great success story. So, yeah, if I could work alongside Will Smith, obviously. And I want to work with my wife, too. I want to hopefully we get a project where we can actually do some acting together. That would be great. Mm -hmm. Well, mental health day passed a while, you know, in the near past. And I know that that was world mental health day. And I know, you know, listening to you talk about misunderstood and kind of like what that stands for. I mean, when you were talking, I'm like, you sound perfect for this role, you know, a mm -hmm. bunch of people on a journey and kind of coming to terms with like their own story. So I know like world mental health day was special for you because you kind of went through your own struggles as was spoken about in your book, Open Mic. Mm. You know, I think the last time you were here and I, we talked about your book, which is great. I didn't, I don't think I realized like how, I mean, I realized it was very cathartic for you, but I don't think I realized how cathartic because I saw, I've been doing a deep dive onto your Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. and I saw that you said, basically, if you didn't write this book, like you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be here, period, the end. Mm. Right. I'd be I, dead. I, I, I really, honestly, and I, I know a lot of people think that's hyperbole, but I really feel like if I would not have written this book, when I wrote that book, I would not be here. I would have had a stroke. I would have died. Because you got to understand when you're going through mental health, and that's another thing about being misunderstood as a Black man, 
a lot of times we have a lot of issues, but we put on this facade, we put on this mask, and we're always taught to be so strong. And that's, you know, to a lot of people's, you know, fault, whatever it could be, but it's mainly in our community because we're taught, don't show weakness, don't show emotion, uh, don't admit when you need some help, don't go and talk to somebody when you need some help. So this is the way a lot of Black men, and a lot of Black people, period, are raised. So what I was doing is I was suppressing a lot of the traumas and a lot of the the issues that I had in my in my journey along the way a lot of it stemming from my childhood you got to understand a person that grew up watching his mom you know beaten uh by a man that's supposed to be protecting her uh knowing that your your, your stepfather is, loves you but doesn't know how to show love because nobody taught him how to love uh the the things I went through in my in my marriages uh the people I saw killed including my best friend uh, you know, uh, just all that, that's, that's abuse. And that's trauma that you, if you don't talk to somebody, you don't deal with it. So over a period of time, you know, I started diving myself, diving into work a, lot, a little bit more. And when you start making money, you start feeling like, okay, I don't have any problems, but you know, even with money comes a lot of issues, whatever. And the problems that you have mentally never go away. So I said all that to say this, I got into a point where around when I was 46, about, about four years ago, I started just crying uncontrollably for no reason. I'd be in a hotel room. I'd be in a five-star hotel on the road with the Clippers or whatever, uh, or on the road for work or just hanging out with some people or whatever, living a great life. And I'd go back to my hotel room or I'd be in my bedroom and I would just cry uncontrollably. And I'm like, what's wrong? Why am I, why am I crying? Something would just like pop up on television. I see a, you know, a picture of my grandmother. I'd see something that reminded me of my childhood and I had to let it out. And that was all trauma. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize that all this stuff that was inside of me was eating me up alive. And it was leading to a lot of health issues uh, that was starting to grow. And I'm not going to go too far into that, but it was starting to deal with that, uh, dealing with the health issues. So once this, there's this voice that told me that you need to write this book because I've been putting it off for so long. And once I started writing the book, all that trauma and all that pain and all that hurt started being released. And all those tears that I was crying started, you know, uh, uh, dissipating, uh, uh, decreasing, I should say, a, a little bit more. And so I really feel like if I had not released that pressure that was inside of me, then it was going to eventually take me out. Wow. As you were writing this book, like, were you shocked at like what was there and what was suppressed? Like, or did you all, you kind of knew there was a lot of stuff or just the more you dove, dove deep, the more you were like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like I knew it was there. I didn't know it was affecting me. I didn't know it was hurting me, man. I mean, like to this day, I feel like there are things that, you know, it's, it's, it's like you can dig out certain things, aspects like a cancer. So you can go in there and they have that, that, that treatment. But it's like if you don't treat it with mental health uh, therapy, that cancer can grow back. So even though I went in there and that book was my surgery to, to cut out certain things, I had to have therapy afterwards in order to make sure that there was like my radiation, so to speak, to make sure that it wouldn't grow back and I could actually kill it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would write something, did an outline of my life and I'm like, wow. And then the light started going off. And that's what I that's why I put the book out, because I was going to put the book out at first when the light started going off. And I realized this is the reason why this happened. This is the reason why this is affecting my life. This is the reason why I couldn't maintain a good, healthy relationship. This is the reason why I don't love myself is because of all these types of things. And I knew they existed. These times in my life existed, but I had put them so deep 
down inside of my memory that I forgot about them. And then once I started uncovering it, I realized that those those memories and those traumas were still very much alive and they were affecting me and they were eating at my soul. But once I started uncovering and digging them out and dealing with it, I was able to be a much better person. Now I feel lighter. I feel happier. I feel brighter. I feel like I can conquer the world because I've dealt with the issues that's been on the inside of me. Yeah. Was there one point, like, do you remember, cause like it's a process, but like, do you remember when, you kind of turn the corner, you know, like, is it easy to look back and just say like, oh my God, like so many years, like, I don't know, like, is there one thing that was just like, that was the day or the week or the, I mean, of course it's a continual process, but where you're just like, wow, I get yeah, it. I, I think, I think I was before Cynthia, I was dealing, you know, I was hanging out. I had a good time. I was dating. It was just this, and I never said this to anybody before, but you know, since you asked the question, I was dealing with this one lady uh who I liked that I couldn't admit that I really liked a lot you know and Cynthia knows about her but I couldn't admit it because she wasn't giving me everything that I'm used to getting if you know what I'm saying I, yeah. she wasn't like buying into my bullshit you know what I mean I was this guy that was like I said put out this facade or whatever and even though at that time I was dealing with it and I was crying all the time or whatever I couldn't admit it and so when she did something to me I, I went I remember being in the car with her and I got mad for some reason. I left her and, and another friend of mine and I left and she said, no, come back, come back. I want to talk to you. And I was sitting in the car with her when I sit there and I'm like <laughs> talking to her. And I said, I said something last, you know, I said, I think I'm starting to really like you. And I think I'm starting to love you. And she said, you don't love me. Blah, blah, blah. She said, stop playing. She's like, just be real. Be who you are. Be, dude. She's like, you want to cry? Just go ahead and cry. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I can cry because I really feel like crying. And I can be myself in front of this girl. This woman is going to let me be myself. So a tear started coming out of my eye. And it was genuine. Because there have been times in the past I've been such an ass, such a, 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 a this player, such this guy back in the day that I would do anything I needed to do to get a woman. And that meant shed a tear. Because remember, I, I used to act and I know how to act. So if a tear needed to come out, if that was going to be what it took for me to get that, that that's, that's the stuff, yeah. I don't know how far I can go. To get you can go as far as you want. You know, just because I'm a gay man, trust me. I like okay. how it works. Okay, okay. Well, let's just go. Like, to, just the fuck. Let me say, if, if, if that was what I, I was going to do, whatever it took, right? But this time with her in this car, I felt like, man, I can be myself. And this ain't even about having sex with this woman. This is about me just showing and expressing my love for her or whatever I felt for her. So I did it, cried. She looked and she gave me a hug. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, well, I'm finally able to be myself. And I went home and that girl went back in that house with my friend and told her and started laughing at me. And said that, oh, he cried, girl. I got him to cry and all that. They called one of my best friends. One of my best friends, a man, called me. It's like, bro, what's wrong with you? You okay? You you crying? For, what, are you okay? Like, like something was wrong with me. And I remember the emotions that came over my body at that particular time. And it took me back to the first time I ever told a woman I loved her. And I felt that same sincerity. That same, I can be vulnerable with this girl when I was 15 years old. And I remember her reaction. And I remember how that made me feel. And I remember how that made me go into the shell for over 30 some years. And I felt that same pain 
But this time, instead of using that pain as that facade or that barrier or that defense mechanism for not wanting to fall in love with anybody, for, for protecting myself against emotions and never really you know, falling for anybody and allowing that hurt, hurt me, I said, you know what? I can't do that again. I got to deal with this. And then that's when I really started writing the book in earnest because I felt the same thing. I said, this is a pattern. This is something that made me, the, the light went off to make me realize this is the reason why I hurt women. This is the reason why I tell lies to women. This is the reason why I cheated before. All these things came out. So you asked a question that nobody's ever asked before. And that is the reason why I think my life started turning around when it came to relationships with women, because I realized something that affected me 30 years ago was still affecting me. And if I allowed that moment a couple of years ago to do that, I would not be with Cynthia. I probably wouldn't be here with you today because like I said, I would have died and I definitely wouldn't have been in a, a, a good, stable, solid relationship with anybody because I would have still been that, that little hurt boy from uh, 15 years old. Right. And you realize like everything in between was like the same patterns of just trying to cover it up and just, you know, push mm -hmm. the pain down and, mm -hmm. you know, the way to not deal with pain is to act like the biggest player out there. Right. I mean, that's right. That's that the was, way to do that it. Was, that was my defense mechanism because, and then through therapy, I learned that I, I started messing around because I always felt like I was inadequate. I felt like I wasn't enough. So what could I do to help my, some people go to drugs, some people go to alcohol or whatever. My drug was women and women made me feel better about myself because I felt like, oh, as long as you're showing me and telling me how much you care about me, you love me and want to have sex with me and all that type of stuff. That was the drug that kind of suppressed my pain. So, but once again, being mature enough and, and growing, I, I guess there was some growth made me realize I need to deal with this instead of just allowing it to consume me. And a lot of times I think it's almost like self-sabotage. Like if you don't love yourself, mm -mm. it's like you want to ruin this relationship subconsciously because you don't think you deserve love and cheating on yeah. someone is the way, one way certainly to do that with most people. Right. Right. And, and, and that's exactly right. Because if I didn't, because I, I didn't love myself. And so when people used to always say, Mike, when I, I remember when I first came out and I was on the show and I got, like, I got dragged for it a little bit on the internet. When I told my daughter, I was like, I was never in love with her mom. I was never in love with my ex-wives because I couldn't fall in love with myself. So I'm being honest about it. Doesn't mean I don't love them. I care. I, you know, empathize was there. Well, there's a difference between loving and being in love. I could never fall in love with somebody because I did not trust anybody because I didn't trust myself because I didn't trust myself to give enough of somebody uh, to somebody emotionally because I was afraid of being hurt instead of being whole, um, which I had to grow into being whole. I was the person that was missing things and I was supplementing, you know, my life with something that they could actually give me. So I felt like, okay, if, if they can give me this, I'll give them a little bit of this, but I'm never going to give them my entire self. It wasn't until I started loving myself and felt whole and felt like, you know what? I want somebody in my life, but I don't necessarily need somebody in my life that I was like, okay, well, I can tell you what it is. And now my whole attitude is I can give you love and I can tell you how exactly how I feel. And if you don't like it, if you don't want to accept it, that's on you. You just lost the fuck out. You just lost out. I'm sorry for cursing. You just lost. Listen, just I have, I have the worst mouth out of anyone. Okay, so you can curse but, all you, know, you want. But, I, but the message is, you lost out because I feel like I'm a prize and I'm not saying the best looking dude in the world and got all this going on, but I know my worth. 
And when you find out and you realize what your worth is, you can fall in love with yourself without being cocky, without being overconfident, but you can also feel free to give to somebody else and not worry about them taking something away from you. Because if you aren't whole and that person is supplementing something in your life, you're too afraid of them taking it back because then you will feel like you're inadequate again. So I had to make myself whole. Once you make yourself whole, whatever you take away from you, can't you can't take what's already mine unless I give it to you. I agree with all of that. I just think that's a big mistake people make in relationships. Like you just, you've got to love yourself first. Like this person's mm-hmm. not going to, it's, you can't come to someone if you're that broken and to try to better your life. It's never going to work. Amen. I mean, that's, that's why people always say people can't give you happiness. You can't go to somebody for happiness. They can make you happier. It can be icing on a cake, but you have to come into the relationship happy. You have to find your own joy and you can't allow anybody to steal your joy. You can't allow people to steal your peace. You can't, your sanity, all that belongs to you. You don't have to pay anything for it except your commitment. It doesn't come with a price of money, anything like that. You can find that within yourself by working on yourself. So once you realize that and you ground yourself in that and you make sure that this is what I have, I'm bringing to the table, I can give you because I have excess, 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 I should say. And I can give you my love, but I'm not going to give you my sanity and I'm not going to give you my complete joy. I can share it, but I'm not going to give it to you. I know you're busy, but have you ever thought of just going around the country and speaking about all this? Because that's mm-hmm. it's, like you, you could do TED Talks. All, I mean, I, I, let me just, you know, well, I, you, you want me to take over for you. I'll go do this. But <laughs> it's you. true. I mean, I agree with all that you're saying. That, I mean, but that's I think that's like when you realize you start realizing your purpose, though, you know, it, it's it's it helps. Writing the book, I never thought that this would lead to that because writing the book allowed me to see my pain, share my pain. And now, once again, the reason I put the book out is because I want to help other people deal with their pain at a much earlier age than I did, because I really feel like it's a focus going back to what we started at the beginning is that we don't go and get help when we need help because we feel like we're too strong. We always say man up. If you continue to man up, it's going to be man down. And I mean, man, six feet down eventually, because it's literally going to kill you. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So you started your own online store. You're doing what you love, selling products people want. And orders are coming in fast. So what's the problem? Now you got to ship all those products out. Luckily, ShipStation makes it easy. With ShipStation, it's easy to import, manage, and ship your orders out fast for a lot less money. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation funnels all your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. 
I couldn't ship the Behind the Velvet Rope merchandise out if I did not have ShipStation. Listen, ship more in less time. Just use my offer code VELVET to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in VELVET. That's ShipStation.com, enter offer code VELVET, make ship happen. If you're anything like me, you have so much going on and your to-do list just keeps growing by the day, the hour, the minute. This year, put yourself first with the help of Dipsy. Dipsy Stories is an app full of sexy audio stories. No matter what you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy helps bring the stories to life. Anytime, anywhere. Close your eyes and let yourself get lost. Lost in a world where only good things happen and pleasure is your only priority. Explore your fantasies in a safe, shame-free way. There are hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week. So hey, you never get bored. Variety really is the spice of life. For listeners of this show... Dipsy's offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash velvet. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash velvet. Dipsystories.com slash velvet. I've been hearing from you guys with all of your New Year's resolutions. You guys want to save money. You want to lose weight. Well, one of my New Year's resolutions is to learn a new language. And for that, I've turned to Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Out of all the 55 countries I've been to, Italy was one of my favorite. And that's why I personally am looking into learning Italian. Listen, Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Their lessons were created by over 100 language experts, and their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you don't have to learn Italian. You could choose from Spanish, Russian, French, Italian, over 14 different languages to choose from. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. What is better than that? Listen, right now when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code VELVETROPE. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. The code is VELVETROPE. Babbel, the language language for life. Do you guys do what I do every January? First, you think about the year prior of all the things you didn't accomplish that you wanted to. Then you make a bunch of New Year's resolutions. And as soon as you break them, you feel bad about yourself. Are you in your own mind the way I was? Well, get out of your mind. Let me tell you, therapy can help you learn to be kinder and gentler to yourself and help you move forward. I have to tell you guys about Talkspace. Talkspace has been a miracle for me. First of all, they match you with a licensed therapist that you can connect with not only from your computer, but from your phone anywhere on the go. I also love that Talkspace focuses on your schedule. They fit your schedule, not the other way around. With live chat, video, and audio sessions, you could easily fit mental health into your daily routine. I also love that your information is extremely private and it's just between you and your therapist. Listen, Talkspace can help you with anything, anxiety, depression, self-doubt. Make your mental health more than just another New Year's resolution with Talkspace. Visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code VELVET at sign up. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code VELVET. Have you heard from a lot of people like since, you know, just like random people like slipping into your DMs and just saying like this book has really helped them? And that's the that's the best. I mean, my 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 uh, publisher about a month and a half ago when I was in Atlanta, she called me and she said, Mike, you know, a lot of people go in your DMs or whatever. 
this person wrote a letter and you just don't see letters anymore. She wrote, no. she said, I have to call you and I got to share this letter with you. And she just read this letter. And I'm talking about the tears that came down my face that day, because when you see that, that you have an effect on somebody's life, like I said, it's still painful, man. You know, a lot of things that happened in my life, you know, I shared and I wanted to put out things. I want people to get help, man. And I feel like that's strong. And I'm not afraid to cry. And that's another thing about it is I'm a man. I'm all I'm a strong man or whatever. And 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 you can't be afraid to show those emotions to help other people because I went through something in order to be a testament to help somebody else be all that they could possibly be. So when she read that that letter to me, it showed me that anything I put in that book any embarrassing story, any anecdote I put in there, any of my deepest secrets that I put out there and showed me that it was worth it. I told her, I said, I don't have to sell one copy of this book. I don't have to sell it. But if somebody reads it, they happen to pick it up and it's on the thrift shop somewhere and somebody can read it and I can get the responses like I got in that letter, that's worth it. All my pain, all my anguish, all those secrets, all those embarrassing moments that I put in that book, I'm talking about, and if you read the book, there's some embarrassing moments I put in that book. It was all worth it because I know that's why God put me on this earth. So you talk about TED Talks and being a speaker. I'm an advocate for that because we all go through something. And if you see me as somebody that is in the spotlight or I'm not a big celebrity or anything like that, but somebody who has a platform and you think my life is per perfect, okay, yeah, the lights are on, makeup and all that type of stuff, everything looks good, but you got to know my background. And I think everybody should figure out what their background is and deal with the pain that comes with that background in order for their future to be a little brighter. Yeah, absolutely. What did this particular letter say? Like, why was this so? She was just saying that, you know, like, um, and she was talking about her son and she was talking about how, you know, a lot of people had given up on him and how he had gone through this and all that, but it made her realize that he needed to have this book in order to make himself grow better. So she gave the son the book and then it changed his life. It changed his mind. It changed his thought process because he looked at, you know, somebody that you, you never know who, who, who likes you. You never know who puts you on a pedestal. You never know who kind of looks at you as not necessarily a role model, but somebody who wants to emulate you. And when they see you and they think that, okay, Mike didn't understand my pain, but when they see that you, they've, you've gone through some of the things that they're going through right now, it makes them feel like they're not alone. And so she was just talking about that and how it helped him. And she was thankful for that and all that type of stuff. And it goes along with people in my DMs and saying how good the book is. And, you know, some people take some of the, the you know, the, the, the stories of me cheating and all that type of stuff and trying you, I don't care. That's fine. I, I put that out there myself. Nobody ever found out about any cheating in my past from, you know, the show. It wasn't like this deep dive that they did. It wasn't like one of the housewives came up to me and said, well, I heard you did this. None of that. I put all that out there myself because I wanted to, because I needed to, because I wanted to help other people out. So it, it, once again, if it's something that can help other people be the people and the person that they are supposed to be a great person, make a difference, a positive difference in this world then so be it. And I'll, I'll continue to do that. And I'll continue to share. I just continued. I, I shared something on BNC about two months ago when it came to me talking. I never had mentioned this before, but I felt like there are still other things that are inside of me that I needed to let go. 
because we was talking about sexual assault. And I was talking about how I had been, you know, molested when I was younger. I had never shared that before when I was a kid uh, by a family member and how that may have had an effect on me as well. So these are some of the things that people need to share. And, I, and, and I'm really happy when celebrities use their platform to share those moments. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, switching gears, mm-hmm. Ment- World Mental Health Day was also your one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So what did you guys do to celebrate? You and Miss Cynthia Bailey. We are so busy that, and that's a good thing, and I'm thankful for that, uh, that I had to work that Saturday. So I was off. The Sunday was our anniversary, and then I took Monday off, but I had to go right back to work on Tuesday. So we basically stayed in time. We went to this great hotel that's in town in, in West Hollywood, and we just chilled. We relaxed. We went to dinner. We enjoyed each other's company. But I'll say, because we're also very, very transparent and one of the things that i like about cynthia and i me and cynthia's relationship is that we don't pretend to be perfect we don't pretend not to have issues and problems sometimes we don't pretend we don't pretend to be like oh we're such as great usually this great power couple and you guys are wonderful and you're yeah we, if we want to be a role model once again we got to be open about that so we're going to tell you man yeah we argue and i'm gonna tell you right now that sunday was great that Monday I'm like oh we might not make it a year two <laughs> because it was it was just something that you know things that happened and you know, I don't I'm, that's another thing I don't go too far into our business to tell you what happened but it wasn't anything malicious it was just a misunderstanding and a lot of times that's communication but but we enjoyed each other and we quickly got over it and the great thing about Cynthia and I or any good relationship is you're going to go through your issues but you have to ensure that you find somebody that you're willing to fight for when the bad times come, because there will be a lot of trials and tribulations. And so we had an overall good anniversary because we were together. And yeah, we're going to make it a year two and beyond. But yeah, it, 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 it wasn't without a little conflict. I just say it that way. Well, that's like you say, like when you look at people on Instagram and it's like every picture is them just in love and life is wonderful. Mm -hmm. You're just like bullshit. Like I I call BS. Like this is not there's you're not superhuman, you know? No. And I I think that's important because we put out these images and, you know, like you're hearing about some of the scrutiny that Facebook and Instagram are getting right now because, you know, the images that they're putting out there it's leading to depression in a lot of people. And people look at these images and they say, oh, they live such a perfect life. And they look at their own lives and they feel like, well, I got all these flaws. How come I don't look like that when I first wake up in the morning? How, ooh, ooh, wow, because filters, photos, all that. I'm not saying that there aren't good times. There are mainly our, our lives, 90% are good times. But we, I think it's important to also point out some of the bad times. You don't have to go deep into it. Like I just said, I had an argument with my wife the day after our anniversary. I don't have to tell you what the argument was about, but I need to let people know that we don't live a perfect life and we don't live in a utopia. We have to share that with other people, especially people who have platforms, especially people who are so-called celebrities or whatever, people that other people who you know uh, look up to us can, can look and say, well, wow, if they're going through it, man, uh, I'm not alone. People feel alone in society. And, and, you know, like, look, as a gay man, you know, years ago, there are a lot of people that you felt alone. You see the transgender world right now. There are a lot of people in the transgender world that feel alone because they don't think that anybody else is feeling their pain because they don't have 
too many people to talk to because there are other people that still hide it. There are still a lot of gay people who still hide it. There are a lot of people in my community when it comes to mental health, we hide our issues. So you don't, you can't look at your buddy and say, man, I want to talk to you about this, but you wouldn't understand when your buddy could be going through something just as bad or worse, but because you've been told to suppress that and keep that in, you don't speak on it. So you feel alone. You feel like you got to deal with it alone. You don't feel like anybody's going to be able to understand it. So when it comes to marriage, when it comes to our relationship, you have to admit, and y'all argue, we, y'all ain't got nothing, but we're still happy. We're still dealing with each other. We still love each other because that's my boo. I'm her boo. We're willing to fight for it. We made this commitment. We put this ring on our finger. It's 360. It's non, uh, it can't be broken. It's a circle that continues to evolve. And that's what we're going to continue to do until we one day decide we're not happy anymore. And we're going to put it on the table if that ever happens. But pray that it never happens. But we're going to continue to fight for it. So put those images out there as well as some of the all those great images because people need to see those too yeah totally do you think that's the secret to marriage i mean now that you've been married for one you know a little over a year like just being committed and fighting and just being willing to work through the bad times or like what are some of the other keys do you think to Um, being in a successful marriage admitting when you're wrong you know we we, we're so stubborn you know and and this is you know my wife is beautiful wonderful i love her to death my wife would be really stubborn my wife is, uh, you know, the, the images that you see out there on television is exactly who she is. Don't get me wrong. 50 Cent will come out. Don't get me wrong. She, she, and when she gets into a mood or she's frustrated or whatever, there's, you know, that side that comes out just like me. You know, when I'm irritated about something, I'm going to go into a, a space or whatever. But we have to be in a, in a situation where if you feel like um, you've, there's, something that irritates you, speak out about it first and foremost, admit that or how it made you feel. But in the end, if you're wrong, if you're somebody that misunderstood what somebody else said to you or whatever, admit it. Say like, hey man, I I made a mistake, I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm sorry and admitting that. It's like, you gotta let that go so you can continue to move on. But if you soak in it, continue to be irritated, continue to have, tension in your household guess what happens when you had that tension it's just like that trauma i was talking about you start to say you know i i deal with that you forget about it two or three days later but you've never dealt with it and still inside you you suppress it and it continues to grow and that resentment continues to grow and then eventually something else something small comes along minuscule and then all that stuff that was inside it comes out again like a big monster again so you gotta say look you know what deal with it but also say look i'm sorry what can we do to move forward is there anything in particular you do when 50 Cent comes out? Is there one go-to you have? I go somewhere else. <laughs> I, I go, I, I, you know, I, I, I will listen. One of the things I've learned to is just listen. If she got something, just listen. Don't interrupt. Don't say, well, but, and, and I wasn't, no, just, okay. Mm-hmm. Listen. Yep. Yep. Just let it, because sometimes they just needed to get it out. They need to let, let go. If you interrupt, then that's going to take her in a totally different direction. And my wife can be easily distracted. I can say something and then it's like, hey, we, we, we was talking about this topic. Now, why are you all the way over here talking about that? Just stay on point. So listen. So what I'll do is I'll listen. But if it gets to the point where I feel like there's nothing that can be resolved, then I'm just going to remove myself for the situation. But she hated, but she's learned that that is me. So I don't say the wrong thing. You know what I mean? I'll just walk away. I'm like, hey, we're not going to solve anything right now. I do understand we still have issues. 
I'm gonna go over here and we'll come back and we'll talk about it a little bit later. So um, yeah, I, I leave the room 50 Cent comes out for the most part, if, if 50 Cent decides to stay. That's probably smart. Well, two things you put on your Instagram, which I thought were very, you know, you said to Cynthia, I love you, baby, but I also like you. I thought that was mm-hmm. a very powerful message because mm-hmm. simple, but true, right? Lots of people that are married don't like each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is you said, no peach needed. You've got, we've went no peach needed when you've got my heart in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, to address the first is like, I think there is a difference in love and like, I can love some. I, I love the world. I love everybody I encounter. I love my enemies. I don't necessarily like them and I don't want to be around them. If you like somebody, you want to be around them. You want to hang out with them. Cynthia is my best friend. I like Cynthia. I don't always care for her in that manner and like her, you know, her attitude or her personality, just like she doesn't always like my attitude or personality. But for the most part, I really like her and I'll always have unconditional love for her, just like I have unconditional love for anybody that I've ever been in a serious relationship with. That's just, that goes without saying. Uh, but as far as the other thing, obviously it was something that, you know, um, it wasn't a, a slight at, at housewives. It wasn't anything negative towards them, anything like that, but she had just decided that she was moving on. And then, you know, Cynthia will admit this, that there's, when you leave something after 11, 12 years, you know, there might be a little anxiety, you know, she knows she's doing the right thing, but there could be a little anxiety about certain things like, okay, am I doing the right thing? You take that leap of faith. Am I really making the right, right commitment? So having a peach in your hand doesn't make you. It didn't make her before she started having a peach. One thing that I love about Cynthia is that housewives did not make her who she is people knew who cynthia bailey was long before the housewives she enhanced the show and the show obviously enhanced her profile a little bit more and gave her more of a platform to be the person but i just think that the next 15 20 25 years of her life professionally is going to blossom now without the show and so if there was any anxiety of feeling like okay man i did i do the right thing by not holding on to that peach i'm letting her know you don't need that peach you don't really need my heart, to be honest with you, but you have my heart, meaning you have my support, you have my commitment, you have my desires, you have everything I need to do, my push uh, to make sure that you get through this part of your life and, and to catapult you not only in a professional manner, but in a personal manner to be the best possible Cynthia Bailey Hill that you can possibly be. So that's what I meant by that. And she was there for a long time. So like you said, even though it's still change, I mean, change is even if you decide to do it and there's so many great things around, it's still a change and it's hard to deal with like overnight. It was hard for me. And the same thing, I'm, I'm constantly going through a transition and it was to go from being a sportscaster, a successful sportscaster too, being at ESPN, still being at Fox Sports and could have pursued it even more. And done. I was like, you know what? It's time for me to make a transition because my heart is telling me and my mindset is telling me that this is where I'm needed now. This is where I'm more passionate. So that's why I got into news hosting and wanted to do more acting or whatever and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it is tough, but at the same time, you look back and like, Oh man, I was doing all right over there. Life was really good. I was making a lot of money over here. The money uh, I got to dip down in order to go back up because I got to prove myself again. But in the end, trust God, knowing that you're doing the right thing, trust your heart and, and trust your gut and your instincts and the money will come in a success, the fame, the glory and everything will come because you're, you're on the path that you're intended to be. It will. 
is any part of you, like, are you sad? And is any part of you, you know, you would have done what Cynthia wanted, I'm sure, because you're a supportive husband, but is any part of you like secretly, you know, relieved? It's a lot of stress to be on these shows, as you know. Uh, uh, I, I, like you said, whatever Cynthia wanted to do, then I'm down for it. And I completely uh, support her. No, I didn't. I know people have been asking her, did I have anything to do with it? Did I? Nope, not at all. And I, I told her from the start, because one thing I will share with you is that Cynthia's like, what well, is this, the, the, you know, sometimes that can mess up your relationship and we've seen how it messes up relationships and I don't want that to happen. So she was willing to, I said, baby, don't worry about us because we got us. We're going to give them what they want, what they need. But at the same time, we're not going to give them everything because we have a bubble that we don't let that many people in so just because it's a reality show doesn't mean that you're going to go deep into our deepest secrets and we're going to give them that and i'm not going to do stupid stuff we're not going to do stupid stuff to give them ammunition to come at us you know what i mean that's the key for it so that had nothing to do with it but there was there were times when it was stressful on her and when it's stressful on her obviously you as a family member her husband to be exact would feel that stress that she felt and I don't want her to go through that. I don't want her to go through that stress, that pain and arguing for no reason for somebody like, why am I even beefing with this person? And I ain't doing anything wrong. You know what I mean? Why is she coming at me? And why is it, you know? So yeah, you, there, there are parts of you that's like a little relieved, but I'm more excited because I know the possibilities for Cynthia when she commits to it. And I, she is committed to it right now. She's out doing Access Hollywood. When she's doing that and she's doing E and she's doing everything else and all that and all the hosting opportunities and acting opportunities, I'm excited because I know that she is only going to catapult, uh, catapult and grow from here and become an even bigger star than she is. I would agree with all that. How did you guys, is it because, I mean, because you guys both did handle it. It's kind of like you said, when Housewives is over and it will end for everybody, like you're able to be on BNC. She's able to be on Access Hollywood and there's a thousand opportunities for her and you because you never went there. Exactly what you said. You'll do what you got to, but you never showed them all. That's why you can have a career now and she can have a career for a long time. Are you shocked that not everybody, most, well, most people don't realize that. Yeah, you're talking about like the the people that are on these reality shows. Yeah, yeah. and this might be a little controversial, but you know, Cynthia didn't need the reality show to make her. There are a lot of people that are, and I'm not saying any names, but there are a lot of people that their identity is the reality show. People know who they are because of the reality show, so they need to do certain things. And I ain't saying sell this soul because it might be who exactly who they are, but they need to do that in order to stay and stay employed in a sense, right? Cynthia has never had to do that. I've always said that the thing I admire the most about her, even when I met her on Steve Harvey's show, because when they asked me to come on there just to play the game, and they said, uh, hey, would you go on there and meet one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta? I was like, which one? (laughs) Bottom line, which one? Because it matters. You know, I'm not saying which one I wouldn't have gone on there for, but yeah, when they said Cynthia, it was like, yeah, because she's classy, and she's always maintained her class. And if they ever gave out an award for reality shows, a class award for reality shows, it should be named after Cynthia because this woman was on there for 11 years and maintained her brand intact 
for 11 years, despite all the drama that was happening around her. And she's coming out smelling like roses. So, yeah. You can also give a class on that, too, in your spare time, you know, because <laughs> I, I agree. Most people are known because they're on the show and it's just you then can't get a job afterwards. I mean, Housewives will end at some point, like everything comes yep. to an end. Mm -hmm. So but that's why I was telling her she need to parlay that. I told her one thing I will say is that I said because of that. Everybody has an expiration date. I had an expiration date at ESPN. You know, I could be at the worldwide, the best sports network there is, right? And sooner or later, I'm like, I need to start thinking about my exit strategy. How am I going to take that next step? When am I going to step into? Because one day they're going to come to me and say, hey, Mike, uh, it's been great. Thank you for your service, but it's time for, you know, we're going to go in a different direction. So before they do that, how can I set myself up to ensure that I have a smooth transition over here? So I'm a, not necessarily get you before you get me, but I'm already going to be prepared for if that day happens. And hopefully I will put myself in a position that I can make that move before you even start thinking about it. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. And since you are controversial and outspoken sometimes, mm -hmm. you, you don't want to give us any names of who you didn't want to date on the Steve Harvey show or who you think has gotten messy on the housewives over the years. <laughs> nah, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave that one too much. I think some people can... I like, let me tell you something. I like classy women uh, who, who are about their business, that love each other. Uh, you don't have to call each other bitches and hoes. And I understand that you have misunderstandings and disagreements sometimes. You ain't got to snatch nobody's wig off. You ain't got to do any of that type of stuff. But I like, I like good, classy women who are professional and about their business, who like to have fun. And it ain't boring. It ain't boring. That's one of the things that really pissed me off about certain things. And so I will give you this. What pissed me off is some of the fans that will call Cynthia boring sometimes. And I'm like, there's a representation of all of us. Why is it that she as a black woman had to go in there and cuss somebody out or be overly sexual or nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, or pull somebody's wig or, you know, sleep with somebody's husband or call somebody out for sleeping with somebody else's husband. Why is that considered fun, exciting? And I understand that reality shows need to be a little dramatic, but what's wrong with somebody showing class, grace, and having fun and being the conduit between this side and that side right there? Because somebody like Cynthia is needed in these reality shows. So, you know, I, I think she's going to be missed when, when you start seeing the, 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 the seasons afterwards. I think so. And that's a great point. I mean, I never really thought about it like that, but you're right. Because I mean, listen, there is that out there, boring, boring, but you're right. Like, why is that the definition of boring if you're not pulling a wig? Like, I don't know about people who walk around in real life every day pulling wigs. So to nope. your point, mm -hmm. what about all these people now who are like, you know, Cynthia was let go. This is the statement. She was like, you know, there's that whole thing out there. I mean, I know, I imagine you don't care like what people say online. No. Well, they've been saying it for years too. They've been, I mean, ever since I've been knowing her, Cynthia's been, I, I, eventually they're going to get it right, right? I'm like, oh, she's going, she's been fired. I mean, I'm, I, I was on the show with her for three years, did three seasons with her. And I remember uh, before they started shooting the first season, that some like you know she was I met her and they hadn't started filming yet there was rumors about her not being coming back or whatever so every single year that Cynthia has done a season she said that they've had rumors that she's not coming back that she's too boring that they're firing her or whatever and eventually yeah it's gonna happen so but she's been uh honest about that is that they offered her a friend contract 
You know what I mean? And uh, but she, but she had, and this is the God honest truth. She had already decided in her mind that look, you know, y'all listen, but I'm moving forward. I'm moving on because it's time for me to make that progress. And you hear her in her interviews, and I'm not telling you anything. She's not telling anybody else. She said it was time. So it was time for them, in a sense, to you know, okay, we're gonna go in this direction. But it was mainly her time because she had already made up her mind that she wasn't coming back to the show even before they had made the offer or whatever. But of course, out of respect to Bravo and truly original, she was going to listen to what they had to say. And if it wasn't anything that was like, oh, Cynthia, we're going to do this. And this is the direction of the show and all that type of stuff. And you don't need to do all this type of stuff. She is like, I'm, I'm already moving forward. So. Well, from someone who studies this and who knows it, I can tell you, I think not taking a friend contract is probably the smartest decision one could possibly make first. And two, it's like that saying, like, you don't want to be the last one at the party. So mm-hmm. you kind of want to leave, like you said, before, you know, it gets there. So mm-hmm. are you going to be watching the ultimate girls trip as it premieres and airs on Peacock? I am. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I support my wife. Like I'm going to find out what time I think she, I don't know if she did access Hollywood live or if it's going to be the tape version, but I tape it, put it on DVR. So I was preparing for this. So I'm going to watch that. We're going to call her back and find out how it went and all that type of stuff. And we look and we critique shows, especially now that she's hosting, because that's my realm. That's what I do. That's what I'm great at. And so now that she's doing that and she's doing other opportunities with Access Hollywood and uh, E, she's going to be doing a couple more days on E-Pop Daily or whatever, you know, giving her points and tips and all that type of stuff so that she can uh, make that transition. So, yeah, whatever she's on, I'm going to watch. I already saw the first episode, as a matter of fact. They send, you know, the screener episode or whatever. So it's, you're going to see her in a different light. (laughs) After that week, did she come home and say to you, like, let me tell you about Teresa and Melissa. And did you did you did you know who these people were like in the Housewives world? Because they were not from Atlanta. I imagine you didn't know all of them. I I didn't know their names. I had seen them like, you know, you hear about like people like Teresa because, you know, like if you watch pop culture things, you see, you know, the the stories and you see the clips and whatnot that might be on the blogs, whatever. But I didn't know many of them. And I knew um, what's the lady from Luann. Countess Luann. I knew because I met her because that's one of Cynthia's really good close friends in, in real life. So I knew about her and Kenya, obviously, but the others I I didn't know much about, but uh, I've heard. But yeah, she came back and, you know, she she told me who she got along with. She told me who she didn't get along with. And um, it'd be, like I said, you're going to be entertained. It's going to be something that, it's a different Cynthia, I believe, in this show. It really uh, is. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. What what advice do you give her? You know, because you are an expert host. Like, what's what what's some of the advice you gave her? Be yourself. Don't don't get caught up in trying to be a host. So I can give you tips on being host, but being a stop being a be Cynthia. There's only one Cynthia. Be fun. Have be loose. Have fun. Don't try and be perfect. I think people that try and be perfect and sit there as hosts and do that that's boring. That sounds fake. Just be yourself. Do a good. Like, I love your casual interviewing style. Like, um, it makes me feel comfortable when I can talk to you as a person instead of like you're like. So when you and Cynthia got together, you know, and it no, just just be you. So she's got a good smile. She's not nervous. She's uber confident. And the only thing I tell Cynthia to do is like both of us are really long winded. Um, 
but as a host, you can't be long-winded. You got to allow the other person to talk. So, um, yeah, I, I just, she, she's doing a good job. She's doing a really good job. And whatever I, I can do to help her out, I'm definitely going to be there for her. I think she's meant for it. Final two questions. Where, what are you, what's up with you guys? You know, we have Lake Bailey and, you know, there's no reason to be in Atlanta now these days. You're both working. <laughs> I mean, are we going to see like a goodbye to Atlanta permanently? Are we going to put Lake Bailey on the market? And No, I think Lake Bailey is something that's special. That I think we want to acquire real estate. That's the thing. It's like people keep saying, oh, you're going to sell. No, man, it's real estate. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get rid of, that's money. That's financial and that's future wealth. That's generational wealth that you can pass down so you can't get more land so hopefully the land continues to grow so we're going to keep late bailey might not live in it uh but we're going to keep it and i'm gonna keep this house right here i might not live in it we're about to buy another house i'm not gonna say where but it's gonna be one in la and it's probably gonna be one in atlanta too and maybe somewhere else so we're gonna continue to expand not sell the houses we're gonna continue to buy houses that's what we want to do i love it Final two questions, I promise. Well, Nate, you guys are in LA. So if Cynthia came to you for whatever reason and said, listen, we need to sit down and have a conversation. I just got a call from Andy Cohen. They want me to join the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. What would you say? Does it make you happy? Is it what you want to do? If it makes you happy, what you want to do, I, I totally support it 1000%. That's the God honest truth. I, there's no other way around to saying it. You know, seriously, if that's what makes her happy, if that's what she wants to do, go for it. If that's not, if she's doing it because she feels like there is no other way out, then I'll, I might have that discussion. But as long as she wants to do it, she's happy doing it. I support anything she does 1000%. I love that. I'm just going to put that out into the universe for the far future. And, <laughs> you know, maybe Housewives is over for you guys, but we had this amazing show, Newlyweds, with Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson. I mean, you guys, you know, it's a year into it. Would you ever do a reality show like Newlyweds? Just, you know, you and Cynthia, a married couple, happy. Would you ever do that type of reality show? If yeah, it's- yeah, we're, we're open to reality shows. And we still got a, you know, in the process. I know we've been talking about it for a long time, but a dating show. We, we met on a dating show. So that's in the process, still in the works. Uh, we got a lot of things coming out. Don't I mean, seriously, you Cynthia Bailey's not on Real Housewives of Atlanta, but you're going to see plenty of Cynthia Bailey and Mike Hill in the near future. Believe that. I love it. Well, listen, I get it. Like a hosting career is not easy to get. It's not, it's not just like they offer it to you because you're on Housewives. I could think of about 50 Housewives off the top of my head that can mm-hmm. never get this gig. So she's going to be just fine. And it's like, it's a real job. And I'm not shading Housewives. I'm just saying it's a real hosting job, which is yeah. phenomenal. But hosting, uh, speaking engagements, acting, behind the scenes, producing shows. I mean, like this is, we're we're about seriously, and I'm not bragging. I'm like, this is God's will. And I really feel like it. We're about to really blow up in the next 15, 20 years. Seriously, you're going to, it's going to be, you're going to hear so much more about Cynthia Bailey, 50 times more than what you talked about when it came to the Housewives. And Mike Hill will be along for the ride. You could be Mr. Cynthia Bailey. I will be Mr. Mike Hill. <laughs> and she will be Mrs. Cynthia Bailey Hill. We'll be together. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i never going to be in anybody's because I can hold my own. And that's just me feeling like that's my confidence that I have or whatever. I married her and she married me. So I am the man. She is my wife. I am the husband. She's a superstar in her own right. 
I'm growing into becoming a superstar. And that is the God on the truth. And we're going we're together. We're going to make a difference in the world in a lot of ways. Well, just remember when you do blow up over the next five to 10 to 15 years, as you say, I was nice to you. I enjoyed speaking to you. I had real conversations with you right at the beginning. I always love talking to you. I think you're a real person. And a lot of people come on my show that are not real. Like you say, there's the interviewer that gives the, I get a lot of canned answers all day and it's fine. And I welcome everyone, but I enjoy having like a real open, honest conversation with you. And, about and that's the reason why I came back because I, I enjoy having a conversation with you and I feel, I feel you. And I thank you for allowing me to have a platform to be able to be real because a lot of people won't allow that. I appreciate it. Where can everyone find you online so they can get this book, which really is like, I'm not just shamelessly, it's great for anyone going through anything. It really is wonderful. Uh, all uh, social media platforms. It's Mike Hill, I-T-S, Mike Hill on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, and then of course, BNC, you can find that on cable, uh, direct TV, a lot of cable. We're in like 60 million homes. So check that out. I'm on from six until 10 a.m. Eastern time on BNC on Start Your Day for Sharon and Mike. Don't forget, I got a commercial coming out with LeBron James as well. Uh, wow. uh, Misunderstood. Hopefully that'll be on the roll. And uh, Foster Law should be coming out pretty soon as well for the acting part of things. And Open Mic, once again, at Amazon, Target, and BarnesandNobles.com. I love it. I didn't know you were in a commercial, so there you go. That's something I didn't know. I'm going to have yeah, to watch that. that. Yeah. I love it. Say hi to Cynthia for me. Really, I appreciate your time. Thank you for taking another hour and chatting with me and the door is my, open. You can come back. My pleasure. Hold on a second. Let me see if she'll, let me see. Hold on a second. She, she might not, she might be in y'all. Ooh, hey. You look good, girl. Thank you. How did it go? Uh, well, I'm still here. Oh, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on an interview right now. So I just wanted to say hello to you. So, but just because okay. we've been talking about you, just great guy named David. Um, can you say hello real quick? You look good. All right. Hold on okay. a second. Hello. Oh, you do look good. How Hold are you? Let me, let me let me take it off the uh, my speakers because I got my headset. Hold on a second. There you go. How Thank are you, Cynthia? Okay. Praise God. Hold on a second. All right, now speak, David. Hello. How are you? I mean, we were talking about you for the last Hold on, hold on, hold on a second, David. Hold on a second. Great guy, and I just want you to say hello to him because he's. Okay. I want you to. He was one of the good ones, girl. He was? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And you know, Mike is not just no. going to say that. Microphone, same as this. Here we go. Here we go. Now. You know, Mike is not just going to say I'm one of the good guys if I'm not. Oh, here we go. Here we go. There you go. There it is. Can you hear me now? Hi. What's going on? I'm glad that Mike thinks I'm one of the good guys. That's something, right? Congratulations on all your hosting gigs. I'm so excited. And of course, Ultimate Girls Trip, I will be watching. Yeah. 50 Cent had to show up on that one, but it's good. Good time. We talked all about 50 Cent here today, me and Mr. Hill. Yeah, I I gave him the scoop. Yeah. I got the scoop. Mm -hmm. You know, happy anniversary. We just talked about it all, so... But I just wanted to say congratulations on like this next phase of your life and all the hosting and everything. And like, you're just, you're wonderful. And Mike is wonderful. And so like, I really appreciate him letting me say hi to you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very excited about the next chapter. So uh, keep rooting for me. You know, I won't disappoint. Got a lot of things coming up. Somehow I know you're not going to disappoint. So, and 
I just good luck. And we will be watching 50 cent and we've been watching all your hosting and you and Mike can come back anytime. I really appreciate you guys saying hi. Oh, our pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I, I just hyped Thank you up. Cynthia. So the next 15 years is going to be on you, baby. I just told him how great you're going to be over the next 15, 20. Do your thing. All right, baby, I'm going to call you right back. I love you. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. Of course, man. Of course. She's I think cool. I've told you last time I've run into Cynthia just living in New York City on the street, hand to God, every time the nicest human being. She I'm is. not just literally so pleasant. So, yeah, she, she she's who she is. And that's one of the reasons why. I fell for the first date, like she treated uh, this total stranger, like she was her sister. So that's what I love about her. She not only treats me well and it ain't fake. It's just who she is. Well, I appreciate that. You didn't have to do that. So I really uh, thank you. Do you see how much I'm smiling from that? You're a good dude. So whatever you need, let me know. I appreciate you. Thank you for the time, the platform and, and your energy. That means a lot to us. I appreciate you. Keep in touch and you'll come back soon. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. Take, take care, Mike. All right, Dave, take care, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.